of Michael L. Craver Presents. I'm up in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be sleeping before my overnight domination that we're going to pull off tonight. It is now October, and I've (laughs) I've never made a commitment to myself that I was going to do consistent podcasts. If you've noticed, there's 80 episodes over the course of, what is it, three years, four years? Uh, There was a time... One of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs, There Was a Time. If you haven't played that, I think it's track, I'm going to say seven on Chinese Democracy from 2008. And there was a time when I worked during the day and had an hour lunch. And so I would, you know, record across lunch and then post-edit it and, and have it up in the afternoon on a daily basis for like a 30-minute episode or something like that. And there's a lot of things that I probably have and could share or should share. Could You know, they pass, oh, man, I'm going to put that in the podcast. And then it comes time that I'm sitting in front of this microphone because I'm motivated to get up and I'm getting some calories in me and I'm going to get some more rest and go back to sleep. But it's 3.46 in the afternoon, so I'll probably record an hour or two and, and then, you know, sleep some more before work. But... I hope that other everybody else is enjoying their journey. Um, it's been quite a, a summer between. I don't know, it just feels wonderful sometimes to be able to help people. Whether it's family stuff that's been going on, my father, and and it's so interesting. Let me drop my fork. I'm get. I was eating chicken and eggs before I hit record, and then I didn't stop. We're very professional for the podcast, right? My father is at breakfast a couple of weeks ago. He's been on a 10-day trip to go and see uh, parts of Montana. Uh, I think I guess he went to South Dakota because he saw Mount Rushmore. He's up in uh, Arizona and several other places uh, throughout the western United States, from the Hoover Dam to where they're resurrecting um, the memory of a crazy horse in a, in a statue that it's going to take a long time to finish. But he was just marveled and and when they say modern marvels he was marveled by a lot of the engineering the size of things the scope of the projects as a guy who built houses and and did infrastructure it's part of our nation's history but he just loves you know this is you know when people 
come together. This is part of a massive artistic effort. A tribute, really, is what most of those things are. And as he came back to breakfast and he sat down with me and several of my uncles, <laughs> he's not sitting there with a tablet or a slideshow and it's, there's no pictures. I mean, he has in his phone photographs and videos that he took. But he's just talking to them about what he saw. And they're like, well, we should go see that. And they're serious, right? They're, they're just exchanging the stories. It doesn't become... Well, I went off and did homework, and uh, what I'd like to show you on slide six here, Jim, this is Yellowstone, and uh, over here you'll see George Washington, and he doesn't, it's never been like that for them. It's very, it's a storytelling generation. It was phenomenal to sit there and just watch the back and forth, what'd you think about this? How about that? And it was relative measurements and just talking about the time periods, and, and then we would joke about the history of different things. Of course, I don't know much about life, but I know a lot about coincidence, and I love it. And Dad told me that while he was out west, he said, Michael, I thought about you, because I ran into a bumper sticker. I said, well, that sounds like you probably should have got the full coverage. He said, <laughs> he said oh, all right, all right. So on the back of this car is Fakawi. Now, Fakawi, to the best of my knowledge, is a mythical Indian tribe. And they were talking about whether it was in F Troop and whether it was in different places. And it could have been. I don't know. I just know that it's one of my favorite Red Fox bits. And I'm telling you, it, it, I can't do it justice. And I'll find the clip and I'll put it in here because it's Red Fox. It's, um, it's from Party. Uh, and Indians. I'm going to make myself a little note here. Because his line is that there is Indians. His line is that he's going where there's a scout, I suppose. Red Fox is not involved. He says there's two Indians out in the West and there was a scout and a chief. And the scout's trying to impress the chief, you know, and he's trying to tell him we're going to go hunting. We're going to bag this big game. You're going to see, you know. And she says, mm-hmm, you know. And so they go out and they go all through the wilderness. They try different places and they just can't track down anything. They're empty-handed. They got no game to take back to the reservation. And the chief is looking around, and he can see that they are not where they started. He he says, you, bring us out here. You, get us lost. You will take us back. And the scout says to the chief, he says, because they got to get back to the Fakawi reservation before dark. You know, you can't just be off the reservation. So these two Fakawis, you know, they're, they're now they're arguing. And the chief says, you bring us back. And the scout looks at him all cool-like, and he says, Chief, no, don't worry, don't worry. I know exactly where we are. I know how to get us back. And the chief says, oh, yeah, where the fuck are we? And so I, I, of course, dropped this box that I was carrying around at the time, and 
keeled over with laughter because I love Red Fox. His photograph is not six feet from me on the wall behind me, and my youngest son is named after this. Um, he's, he's something else, you know. The other one, and we were, <clears throat> we'll do this every now and then at work because I share some of that stuff with some of my guys. And I said, Seth, you're from Virginia. He said, yeah. I said, Red Fox says he went to college up in Virginia. He's like, where? I said, I guess it was, uh, it, uh, I guess it's close to the capital in Norfolk. And he was talking about the fight song or whatever. I don't know if you know the fight song. And he's like, nah. And I said, well, he's talking, you know, some colleges have fight songs and they're to Boomer Sooner down in Oklahoma, or they rah rah re, you know. And so the football team, they might be in trouble. And he said all the girls was in the stands, and they they tried to motivate them, they'd frustrate them players, so they'd start playing harder. And the girls would start chanting the school fight song. And he said, he said, they make you real proud of Norfolk. He, the girls would be up there, they'd just be rowdy and raucous. We don't drink, we don't smoke, Norfolk, Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me with his head kind of to one side and he goes oh yeah yeah oh, what <laughs> he said you're stupid graver and i said i am i am and for some reason and it almost made me misty eyed yesterday somebody i think it was one of my bosses yeah one of my bosses uh was was passing through and he said craver such and such and i said damn right you know, and I went over there, and I, I was, I was carrying something heavy, and I set it down, and kept on working. But it occurred to me, you know, in that moment, I said, "I." It used to be a thing. People would say, "You want to be called Mike or Michael?" And I'd say, "Well, one is more long and distinguished, so I need to be called Michael." You know, <laughs> but um, almost everybody calls me Craver now, which is fine with me. It's it's rather interesting. I've even my when I stopped by, I don't think my brother listens to this. Um, even when I stopped by the shop and I'm talking to my father, otherwise, you know, I am more or less given the impression, like you know, if anybody's gonna tell some of these stories and and appreciate, you know, family items like my grandfather's leather mailbag stuff like that, it's gonna be me. It's one. It's one of my favorite songs from Sting and Eric Clapton and Michael Kamen, Lethal Weapon Three. Well, that's it's probably me, but uh, I think it's gonna be me. Is uh, from Jet? Is that where it is? No, that's like that's probably in sync or somebody, isn't it? It's gonna be me. Yeah. Okay, so I just defaced the name of Eric Clapton and the Great Sting and uh, Michael Kamen, who's an amazing composer. Sorry, guys, uh, I've <laughs> confused you with some boy bands. But, uh, you know, the, the purpose of a lot of what I was going to just hit record and, and discuss was just, you know, modern life is, is just so interesting. And I've had the pleasure of, you know, so many, if it's because there's a rich history in some of the things that I pursue that New York Rangers hockey is important to me in the fall, right? I'll pay someone attention, and some years I'm I'm really into hockey. You know, this year we'll see how it goes. But the Rangers are one of the original six in in the NHL, and you know it's always a, been a classy organization. They have big time production. Every game is videotaped because they you know they're on the Madison Square Garden network, whether they're home or away. And so when you get ESPN Plus or Disney Plus, or whatever, you can 
enjoy uh, the replay is what I do. And I don't have social media. So if I miss the game, if I miss a month of games, I can go back and watch them, and they're new to me. I have no idea who won or lost. Rangers could be in first place or last place. Wonderful. But it's important to me that, that quality is such an important word to me in my life. And I've tried to uh, purvey that to different people who have shown interest in me. Hey, you know, um, who are you? Where are you? Where are you going? And one of the things that is of the utmost importance, like even the guys that I'm a, a supervisor of, you know, I ask them, what, are you, what have you been up to? Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, what's going on for the weekend? And it's not, hey, man, did you try the new IPA? <clears throat> no, it's none of that... <laughs> It's visionary kinds of stuff, you know. Are you taking what you doing in terms of? They were talking about training. One of the guys was talking about how he needed to train his dog and and take that to a new level. But once he does that, now he can go off and he can go hiking and take the girlfriend somewhere and build a family dynamic that includes memories with the dog in new and exciting places. It's good. It's great to have layers like that and just build off the next thing. You know, I'm I'm glad when somebody says, you know, I, hey, I, we're gonna run off and see the Biltmore House for Christmas. Great. It's and it's a memory in and of itself. But where are you gonna take that to? Are you gonna take any of the ideas and bring them back home and say, you know what, I really like the idea of this. Now you could copy something that's in the house or replicate it, but. I've always appreciated that someone sees that someone else has done something sort of monumental and then they want to, you know, put stamp their legacy with something that is a combination of all of their skills, you know. And so part of that is I'll record the podcast and people are like, oh, you're, you're fun to listen to and you have a lot to say. And you, I do take in a tremendous amount of information. Somebody asked me whether I had... You know, just natural charisma. And I said, yeah, and I don't know how, what to tell you about that other than when I was growing up, it was nonstop all the time. It's like, you know, I my parents were very supportive and sort of fueled the endeavor. But, it's, you know, almost like I built a race car out of myself where, yeah, I showed up and played soccer. Did we play two? We only played one game a week. Practiced twice a week, played on Saturday, right? And that's the fall season. Basketball runs through the fall, and we played twice a week, Saturday and, I don't know, another night. And then soccer would pick back up in the spring. Same thing, Saturday game, but two days a week we'd practice. And anybody who wanted to go up to the school and practice on off days, you might run into some of your other teammates. Or I was, you know, sometimes playing in the yard. My father coached my brother's team so a lot of times on the other nights I was at a soccer field doing something um, and then baseball picked up in the summertime so there's four different seasons of sports three different sports and baseball became I mean just therapy you know you, it's a science man you're watching the guy's stance okay he's stepping in this direction and okay and now you're a better outfielder because you're a meteorologist or an outfielderologist or whatever the conversion term would be I can diagnose where the ball is more likely to go based on pitch swing postures and I look at 
the other things in life like that. You know, maybe you're taking that same skill set to use your peripheral vision and combine other factors to know what's the best path to drive. When is an accident about to happen? Who is distracted and you need to slow down and protect your family? You know, it could be that you're not going to walk in front of a bus. I mean, but those situations and being exposed to them almost on a daily basis with this kind of hyper awareness has always kept me on my toes and I love it I do love it in some ways it's extremely it's um Man of Steel 2013 the flick that was uh, you know Zack Snyder directed it and it's Christopher Nolan helped him with the story and everything it's the Batman uh, came in and did the Batman versus Superman with that guy, right? That was Henry Cavill. And one of the scenes in Man of Steel is that as he's a young kid and he's realizing, you know, oh, man, there's so many sounds in the world and so many things to distract me. I think that's true for all kinds of people, right? And it's it's a Superman movie, but there's a lot of people who, whether you're autistic or whether you know, you're just sensitive, can be overwhelmed when there's just a, a room full of things going on and you're like oh look at that over there and that over there and you want to shrink it down and be able to put your energy into something that's right in front of you and tune all the rest of that out my father told me that a couple of weeks ago he got to sit down and watch for love of the game it's a kevin costner baseball movie it's a phenomenal movie um, and part of that movie is while he's he's a pitcher in that game and he can completely tune out the crowd. He doesn't hear anything or anybody. He's just, he's not hearing them at all today. Well, there's a lot of that for me. Um, and relationships and can be quite the challenge in that way to know what the other person values. Because not just what I value, what the other person values. So I'm perhaps sitting down and having dinner with my mother, which has happened several times recently. She's getting out of the house and that's, it's good for her, and I love hearing stories, and she likes to listen, so we share stories. She has tremendous feedback from the workplace, right? And we'll sit down, and I'm trying to interpret everything in the conversation, and, okay, this could be this, 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 okay, and you only have one reply you're going to give back to the person, and it's not going to be a 60-minute podcast. So I go about without being patronizing. But a lot of my approach to a conversation with a person is what are you trying to accomplish out of this? What what would you consider to be the most important pieces of what you just told me or what you would like me to give you feedback about? Because, you know, I start hearing things and I want to tell you from... A to Z, where I see that this piece affects this piece, and now you've got this entire geometric shape that I need to, okay, so this is the structure that you need to build for this one change that you need to, <laughs> to have in place. Because it's hard to just tell somebody, well, you know what, you need to change work ethic. Wait a minute now, <laughs> that's completely different. Now you, now you got to schedule people and respect them and have structure and they have to respect you. You know, you can't change work ethic by just, you know, turning a switch. It doesn't happen like that. So 
I I only like to really discuss big things like that. I'm not a big fan of you know, boy, where are we gonna get some ice cream? You know, this is just I, I just you're not gonna hear me say what's the next series that I need to watch or whatever. I mean, there must be there there literally must be seventy different TV shows or more on my hard drive or that I have started in a Netflix or a Paramount. Where I'm walking, watching Walker, Texas Ranger, and I'm on season ten of Law and Order, and season one of uh, Deadwood, and season one of The Sopranos, and I'm seems like I'm much farther into some things like Law and Order, SVU, and like season nine into the original CIS, and but I used to keep a list. And now I've gotten to where you know I can turn any of those series on, any show, and they're they're good. Oh, I've seen this one. I don't remember how it turns out. Well, originally I was trying to just check all the shows off the list and watch all the episodes of all the seasons. But it, I enjoy it just as much sometimes to go back and watch an old one as I would to see a new one. And that's something that I found out about myself. I don't need to have something fresh going all the time. I don't need to know the top 40 hits. Or you're going to you know, maybe want to go to a concert. Have you heard of this Morgan Wallen guy? I, I heard of some stuff that he did to make the news, but that's the same as the, the kids in Columbine made the news. Everybody who does something stupid makes the news because we all like to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. Now they just put it on the evening news. If if Morgan Wallen has some amazing you know song lyrics or whatever else, then then throw it at me. But I grew up on you know listening to people who told stories you know and John Denver and Harry Chapin and I love Passenger Manchester Orchestra is, they are phenomenal not only with their lyrics but every song goes into the other and it almost sounds like an orchestra piece. The last. EP that they released is six songs blended that are basically there's six individual songs of one vision and there's a music video it's called a valley of vision I, I don't like to be uh, going behind my boys back at Oasis but let me tell you something that's a phenomenal album I love the newest stuff that Noel Gallagher has done and it seems it seems that Oasis is going to play a reunion tour next year. Liam Gallagher's already st- he's he's getting it booked. He's he's booking stadiums. I think Noel's going to show up, and uh, yeah, that makes me really happy. But it's all about vision and about things that are you know these life lessons. And I can listen to this land is your land or ray charles has an extremely beautiful version of america the beautiful that that i just love listening to right and i could listen to that a thousand times before i want to hear the latest pop song i just i just you know and it may be the oh man you i, I heard it when i was doing what yard work you were up in the club you were you know i don't whatever you were doing i'm i'm glad that it means something to you but so many things to me are like these. It's kind of like when an astronaut goes out and he collects moon rocks and he brings them back. You may not ever get any more moon rocks, but those are special to him. They'll always be special. That's all he needs. I, I've always had all the music I need. Sometimes I hear new stuff. I add it to my playlist. 
I'll have it on Spotify and it'll recommend something. And it's Dr. Pepper now. And I, the other night was listening to, I can't remember, but I, I hit the, uh, what I thought was shuffle, but there's a shuffle and there's a shuffle with suggested songs button on Spotify. I have premium, right? They should give me premium for having a podcast. Anyway, I, it's on suggested shuffle, and I hear a familiar voice, right? It's it's Eminem, it's Marshall Mathers, and he starts, you know, and I'm like, I don't know this song, but I'll bet that's from that D12 band. It was. It's called Fight Song, and it's a I love it, right? Now, now it's on my playlist. I ran across it, and I love music, like fighting music like that. Roy Jones Jr. Can't be touched, can't be stopped. I'm not singing that other, long, that, uh, <clears throat> other line, Anthony. But uh, it's one of those things where, like, I just, you know, I embrace those and make them my anthem, you know. And I hear a new great wrestling entrance song. Uh, L.A. Knight has, boy, he's really set the world on fire. I get his theme song on my playlist, right? Love when something, the rock song comes on or uh, Motorhead or whatever it might be. And those things, as I'm needing to wind up my night, that last hour is full of those hits. Well, let me tell you, that playlist of those like final hour hits is like seven hours long because over the course of being 41 years old, you run across some really cool anthems and mixed in there are things for, you know, that you would recognize because they have shirts at Hot Topic. But there's a lot of other stuff you, you might not recognize because it doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to me. I saw it on a TV special or it's a soundtrack um, piece from a movie. It's something that is significant to me because of its association with something else. It's not because I saw it on the radio. It's because I saw a music video for Frank Mir versus Brock Lesnar, and so I love the song Limb from Limb by Motorhead. We're gonna tell you limb from limb. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, this is a very, you know, rough song. But it's, I like the song, too, because it reminds me of Lesnar versus Mir, and Lesnar beat the hell out of him. <laughs> But it's one of those, you know, it just it's one of those things that is uh like it's like part of my audio album or my photo album, you know, it's an audible version of being able to look and say like this was oh man, this is a piece of that journey. And then you remember the rest of the journey and it really, you know, will amp you up. Should, anyway. And so most of my life is like that. When people ask me, if, you know, about charisma and things, it's because there's so many of those, you know. I I did a trial by fire for, like, everything that I have. Just how it is. Some of it I know is not going to be a winner. But you need to know how another person might deal with disaster too you know somebody that I had a long long relationship with messaged me and said hey here's this and this and this and you you said you would help me with anything that ever came down the line and I thought to myself you know the best help that I can give you in this situation is to let you not get bailed out this is where you should deal with with this and grow. You should actually see 
that there's not a safety net for every situation. I've not had one for every situation. Everybody should, right? Because you cannot fully experience the glory or the satisfaction of winning if you had nothing to lose. I think about Um, I think that's a Jerry Lawler line from the WWE, and I I want to tell you it's from a Mick Foley match or something. It might come to me, but he says, it's it's my daddy told me, don't get in fights with ugly people. They got nothing to lose. (laughs) So, I love, sometimes love having all of this energy and then there's other times where you know people just believe anything and everything and just do i something happened you might want to go see craver Craver, what did i do well obviously you would have could have probably you know apparently i am capable and this is an old line that i I cannot remember exactly how that happened, but I was working, running a department for a grocery chain, and uh, somebody asked me about something, and it was kind of funny. I said, no, I didn't, that's funny, I said, I'm glad you told me about that. You didn't do that? No, I didn't do that. And I was driving home, and I was, you know, I got home, I was writing what I was thinking about. And the line, and you can write it, I guess, a couple of different ways. It's interchangeable. And this is something that, it's too long to put on a t-shirt, but it's a quote that people might enjoy. I've always thought that. It's written in one of my books. In fact, I guess if I went going through the books, it might be in there. But it says, you know, when you're capable of everything, people will believe anything. And then I think I reversed it, and I've written it the other way. You know, when you're capable of anything, people will believe everything. But... This is my life, you know. And they look at it that way from a feedback perspective. Why didn't you get done with this impossibly, you know, scheduled task that we gave you? Oh, well, because it's freaking impossible, that's why. But you're Michael Engraver. Yeah, I am, but there's also, like, math and reasonability and reality, you know. I appreciate it, you know, but this is where, you know, I've seen the feedback on my podcast. This guy only talks about himself. You saw the name of this show, right? <laughs> it's like, ever since. Did you think I was going to have Betsy the kangaroo come over and just, you know, and we're going to talk about what's in the pouch? No, it's about me, my journey through life. There's a lot of things that I experienced. I would love for other people to be able to have their own version of. I mean, it's important to me that, you know, my children will grow up and, and be able to to win and to lose uh, and, and so that they know what all of that's about. You know, I've, I've never forgotten, I can tell you the look on the faces <laughs> of my dugout and the guys in the green shirts across the way when we lost the uh, county championship. Uh, that was a great, great season of baseball. 
Great season of baseball. A lot of them guys played travel ball, and I, I think a couple of them went on and played college ball. But I got this. Um, they thought I'd hit it out of the. They they thought I'd hit the line drive down the third baseline that was going to go over the fence, and it, it did not. But ended up hitting this phenomenal double late in the in the playoff game, or in the championship game, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, I always thought that was one of my favorite things, right? You you have pressure on you and just bow. And fucking, you, I'm telling you, man, it feels I can. I, there's chills on my arm right now. It feels like getting hit with fucking lightning. Well, I guess I've never been hit by lightning. Um, I, I've kissed a few people. I'm sure they could tell you what it's like to get hit by lightning. But you know, am I am I being egotistical to say stuff like that? Eh. It's funny. It's it's outrageous. Obviously, I did not kiss someone and electrify them. That's my version, and they may say something different. But you know, life is it's it's full of those opportunities to have moments like that and to get into positions where you have a great deal of weight or stress of potential riding on your next move, your next move. It could be a team, but it's your next move. And there are certain people who have invested specifically in me, and I've been treated with, uh, that sounds shady, doesn't it? I've been treating with, I've been treated with objectivity in a way that the risk versus reward is is phenomenal, right? Michael, he's such a pain in the butt sometimes. I am. Because I'm looking for if you know what's in it for the long run, then you know, you that's what it takes to get there. There's other people and I was getting getting ready to say that I've been treated with discretion. That sounds more like they, you know, you're up you know, in double jeopardy or something. That's not how it is. It's it's like here's a situation where we could bite somebody's head off for something that's a small mistake, or or we can let that be understood. You don't need to have a big conversation about it. Here's a person who's mature enough. They know it was a mistake on the way to something better. And so you don't make a big deal out of uh, make a mountain out of a molehill you, you know I'm, and I do that a lot with my guys you know I see them standing around last night I, I, oh. and I had my earphones in so I don't know how loud I was talking but it probably was pretty loud and I could see if somebody had their hands kind of sitting there not working I, I said oh, what in the world we are short two people, and there's people willing to stand around. <laughs> oh, hold on. We got to get back to work, boss. And I'm like, I don't care if you guys get together and tell jokes and talk all night long. I do not. That does not. It's got nothing to do with socializing. Use your hands and work at the same time you're talking. And it's, you know, it's to me, this is the most fun I ever have is when I double team a project with somebody and we're telling stories and we're getting, we get done so fast. You don't even feel like you're, 
working as hard as you are because you're not sitting there going, oh, I feel every muscle and every ache and every pain and every. No, because you're getting, you're like, oh yeah, I gotta get, I'm, I gotta talk back to this guy and I'm gonna laugh about this and consider this. And there's all these other wave of energies that are going in and out of you. And sometimes it's because you're talking about something that's frustrating. And sometimes it's a lot of, a lot of times it's talking about something that's <laughs> satirical or it's just funny. And so work, that time just goes right on by. Before you know it, you're walking out the door and, God, man, that was good. That was a good night, you know. And it is. And you you forge those friendships with people. And then you, excuse me, have all these inside jokes and cultures and things going forward where, you know, you can reference back to whatever it might be. I, um... I've been so blessed when it comes to being able to have good people to work around and to accomplish projects with. And in very, very stressful situations, um, I've had some nice feedback given my way. Oh, man, we're glad you were here. I don't know how we would have done it. Sure you do. Somebody else would have done it with you. Michael Lil Craver is not that freaking special. I don't think so. I'm a human being. There's the same things that they will medically do to me to save me or kill me or whatever else is the same thing they'll do to anybody else. I'm, I'm no superhuman qualities or anything else, right? And that's true for all of us. You see somebody else accomplish something, it does not mean only they are capable of accomplishing that. You can, you know. Get on the path to progress if you would just do your homework. If you would open those avenues up when you're looking around. Notice these factors, right? Do the homework every second of the day. It may sound like that is exhausting, but it's not. You know, When I'm on the car to and from work, you know, play a little song here play a little song there and I don't I don't talk I listen to the music I might sing along with the music but there is no thought process outside the music and that has done a great deal to center me and there's a lot of you know with a musical composition there's beautiful movements and rhythm and there's energy going through you and oh man okay oh all right all right now I'm pumped up again and it is. It's almost like having a fight song every so often throughout your day. And I love it. I love it. It has given me the, the great strength to be able to work this. Um, there's a lot of folks who are very unhappy in the position that I'm in. And I, I'll i tell you outwardly, or if you've had a social conversation with me or otherwise, man, yeah, I work four days and I get three and a half days off. And if you do the math... 52 times three and a half. There's 156 plus half of 52 is 26 more. Would mean that I'm off. 26 and uh, what did I say? It's 156 and then 26 more. So I'm off 192 days. Or with vacation factored in there. Wait, what? It's only 365 days in a year. You're off almost 200 days. Do the math, brother. 
Now, we're talking calendar days. If you're talking calendar days, it's a little different, right? Because you're only off three days a week. Okay, I'm off 156 days a year before vacation. How about you? I would encourage you to look for a job that has more of a balance like that. There are jobs that have three-day work weeks. Imagine that. (laughs) And I will tell you that outwardly and then go to work. And I'm telling you, when I put my feet on the floor right now, they are sore as hell. But I'll make that story. I'll, I'll indulge you a little bit more with that story. I wear sketchers that have memory foam. They have a Dr. Scholl's layer of gel foam inserts in the shoe. And, uh, I can't remember the name of the other, but there's, there's a second layer of Dr. Scholl's, like air padding, mattress, some kind of stuff in there too. There's three insoles in those shoes. But I'm 41 and it's concrete and concrete wins. You put that many steps in with that much weight on you. Because it's not just me walking around. A lot of times I'm carrying something. I'm doing this. You know, it's pressing straight down on your feet. Straight down on your heel. Probably should balance it out and sit down a little bit more. So I've been working on that. What's the right recipe for that? How often should I, you know, kind of sit down and then go back to it? Or And if you're doing that for yourself at your office or wherever you might be working, make each day... You know, a little bit more perfect. Hey, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do this next week. But you ought to do it tomorrow. Don't write it down to start it next week. Start doing it right now. You'll forget. You'll forget. I, I as, as the guy who has a, a thousand things written down, I still don't get to all of them. I still don't remember where I wrote them sometimes. I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee.
back. I love putting a little rock and roll in the show. I know I've done comedy bits in the past, all kinds of news bits, or if it's an excerpt from someone like Chris Williams and Jordan Peterson. Uh, in the future, I've got some some stuff from Christopher Hitchens. But, you know, I, I really appreciate the kind of ideas that people take ownership of things. And as I've had so many different people in the network or reach out to me and speak about their, um, well, it's their feedback, but their feelings about the podcast and to say, hey, you ever thought of it this way? Or maybe something helped. Maybe something <laughs> needed an improvement. And that's fine. But I like that, right? Being assertive and giving that feedback is important. Knowing when you can interject. Sometimes, you know, somebody's driving off the road and you ought to take the wheel. That, you know, being courteous until you're in the middle of an accident is just not the way to be. You may think differently about manners or you may call it interrupting somebody. If they're going nowhere, it's not bad to stop them. You don't have to wait till you're stranded with them. So I, I think the emails and the different communications I've got have been quite uh, helpful and sometimes animated. And it's welcome. And it, it always is. Feedback is welcome. I have a sign on the outside of my office door that says that. Matter of fact, I'll put it in my notes here that feedback is welcome. One of the guys the other night we were talking, we were watching as someone was new, had their own methodology. As we all know, it'll improve over time. They'll learn. And sometimes you tell them and sometimes you let them figure it out. But I said, who amongst us thinks that they know a little bit about language? You could win at Scrabble. You could be a spelling bee champion. You could... You. Hey, buddy. There's a big, long word. A lot of syllables. Responsibility. Do you know what letter it starts with? That's right. You. Responsibility starts with you. <laughs> he said, shut up. <laughs> and I thought, well... And number one, I just thought of that. Now, I might have heard it somewhere, and it's, you know, coming back out of my subconscious. But um, it's really important to me to have those kinds of, I guess, what you're doing with it is you're taking something that is a broad and a beautiful idea and making it catchy, making it memorable. Really, it's got that connotation right on the tip of somebody's tongue and as you say something it sparks that right and it comes up you have that internal knowledge like if I say hey I didn't know you were British you might know what I'm talking about for instance we got to talking about colleges because I said hey you know old so-and-so over there I think they went to FSU what's FSU I said well it's Florida State University ACC football was big when I grew up that was back when it was nine teams, man. It was a big deal. It was the best basketball conference in the country. You know, it was the early 90s, and Duke, and Carolina, and then Virginia came a powerhouse, and Maryland was coming through. Uh, it was awesome. 
And back then, the big football deal was that was Florida State. That would they were the thing in the ACC. Duke and I have the strongest team in Carolina. And so, uh, when Florida State made a run for the national championship, and now Miami took them out, but those were the days. And they got the ho, you know, they get the tomahawk chop, the Seminole. They are just going to town, brother. FSU. So. The Seth Seth is used a big deal, like a prestigious college. I said, now they had a scandal back in the later part of the '90s where they showed, uh, I guess he'd gone undercover or otherwise, and these players were going into Foot Locker and getting however many pairs of cleats and you know all the stuff they needed for football, but they weren't paying. And you can't give college players free stuff, not back then, and they didn't have any of these um, name, image, likeness contracts and stuff like they do now. So I said, Seth, you know, people started making fun of them. And they called it Free Shoes University. They called it FSU, Free Shoes University. He said, oh, okay. I said, but that's not what I mean. Now he looks at me like, well, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, well, could mean something different. Because I saw that guy make a pretty bad decision. And I thought it was pretty stupid. And so I thought he must have gone to stupid university, right? So every time that I think of a bad decision, I think, you know, that person probably went to FSU. And he, <laughs> he said, you're a damn idiot. I said, I am, but I'm right. He said, well, maybe. <laughs> I said, so watch. The next time something happens, you're going to be watching somebody. They're going to fall down. They're going to drop something, something silly with a car. Damn, they must have gone to FSU. That's right. Now, I don't know the original piece of my past that it goes back to start turning things into acronyms or funny stuff or whatever. I do know that I've watched too many seasons. All all of the originals, I've not seen maybe one of the family vacation uh, from Jersey Shore. And and I think it's about season four that uh, Paulie and Mike and... Vinny, you're doing the, the Ronnie's in the IFF. I have, what's the IFF? It's the I'm Foundation. <laughs> so he would do stuff to mess his own life up. And they'd say he, now he's in the IFF. So I like those things. And, you know, being a person who has followed a lot of wrestling and I like the catchphrases. I like when somebody can, they come up with something. And then that becomes their little, you know, character their catchphrase, their go-to when something is going on and it happens in everyday life, you are all over it, you know. Hey, buddy. Go Seminoles. What? You don't want to go Seminoles. I thought you went to FSU. Uh, Never mind. Now, they'll never know what I'm talking about unless, you know, something on this podcast catches fire and then it's on like Urban Dictionary and everybody knows and they're going to know and then you're going to get punched in the face. Maybe. So, little things like that happen all the time, and it's ridiculous, but it's hilarious, and it takes levity and interjects it. It is this kind of steroid into what could otherwise be a really nasty or ugly, um, I guess you would say, atmosphere. You don't want to work... You don't want to be in a relationship or a situationship or anything else that's toxic. Or right? you got a friend 
You want to be a friend, but they're being silly. And maybe tell them, hey, man, did you go to FSU? Print them up a diploma. You know, be really animated about it. Go into some kind of template website, type them up an FSU diploma, and give it to them. And you could put my version of it on there. You don't have to put Florida State, right? And, and it'll be funny and give it to them in a $5 picture frame from Walmart. Then they could take it out and use the picture frame for something else if they don't smash it. And it's it's awesome. There's so much dexterity. There's so many places that you can take these things. That's why I love the little intricacies that I have forgotten more of than I'll ever be able to tell on the show. And they're just not around anymore. And sometimes I run into something that reminds me of an old one. And I'm very nostalgic. Oh, I haven't thought of that in years. And sometimes they never come back. So Stephen King wrote the, you know, sometimes they come back. Sometimes they come back again. There's like three of them movies. But uh, sometimes they never come back. And so that'd be a real short movie. And they just probably have a funeral at the beginning and then just credits. But I, I like when other folks around me have their own little language. And sometimes it's just because your grandmother, whoever, you know, they, they call you honey and baby and sweetheart. And they have their own vernacular for if it's because of a local region they live in, if it's because they are huge fans of some sort of, well, it's somebody else's intellectual property, but of some movie, some book, some, you know, fantasy land, and they're like, yeah, that's how I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to address people like this. I'm going to wear a cowboy hat and tip my hat. You got any cattle? No. I've done a lot of farming. I've got a you know, uh, I've not shared this on the podcast, I guess, but I fell into a very nice, um, Bailey is the brand, um, cowboy hat that, I mean, God bless, you know. Um, and so uh, because I work outdoors and drive a tractor and swing an axe and cut my own firewood and do all kinds of things with agriculture, no, I'm not herding sheep or something. But, uh, you know, I was there. God, I remember being, uh, I, I think eight's probably a little young, but maybe 10 or 12. But, uh, you know, we I just walked down to the barn and push the button and crank up the tractor and drive out in the woods and go collect brush. We'd cut a tree down and split it up, and all that firewood was still sitting somewhere in the woods. I'd drive away down there, throw it in the trailer, drive it somewhere, stack it. Just on my own, right? Probably somebody else was playing with a stick or, you know, playing pickup basketball or something, but this was therapeutic to me. It's always been that way. When I was younger, my father had a wood stove connected to the ventilation in the house. We had a heat pump or an HVAC system that you could turn on, but we the firewood was also hooked into the duct system so when you burned wood in the stove downstairs it heated the house in order to have wood uh readily available you have to take a wheelbarrow outside and no matter what time of the year or temperature or whatever of course you only need it in the colder months you go out there and sometimes it's you didn't think ahead you run out of wood at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> so you go out there but it's all it's so 
interesting, right? You go out there and you're, you know, maybe shorts and a jacket and no shirt, right? Because you're just throwing something convenient on. And you get hit with that, like iced tea, right? You get hit with that brisk, nice, crisp, awful cold that hits your body. But you come back inside and you get that fire going and you sit there next to the fire and you just, oh, man. I hope a cow feels that good when I'm cooking him, you know, I, when the grill is going. I hope he's like, oh, man, this feels good. Oh, it's going on. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's not that, that great because then I'm going to cut him up and eat him because I love steak. But I was sitting there uh, sort of simmering next to the fire, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. Your hands would be so cold from being out jumping on the trampoline or something for two or three hours. Numb, just numb. And you come back in, and it it take a while. You sit there and get all your feeling back, and as that heat is coming through your, all all your everything wakes back up again. And I've watched seasons of intervention, where people talk about like they. I'm guessing it's an opioid thing. Or, op, am I saying that right? It'd be opioid, opium, heroin, that kind of thing. It, they talk about how they shoot something into them intravenously and they just feel like oh they're on fire and they're just ooh it's so good and they talk like this and they you know they crash that's not what happened to me but I'm sitting there in front of the fire and I'm thinking you know this is awesome and then later I've seen other people and they they're doing a drug so that their skin feels like it's alive and it's Got all this heat dancing through it. And it's, you know, yeah. Okay. Some people sit on a heating pad. Some people will use hot water or a hot bath otherwise. I'm telling you, sitting next to the stove there, just, oh, man. Ain't nothing like it. I love it. I love it. You know, uh, anytime I can make fire. And sometimes you have the best company in the world next to the fire pit. Maybe the person that you're meant to be with or marry or otherwise. So, I cannot encourage that kind of thing enough. If you have the ability to be somewhere that is heated or could be heated or go outside and have an open flame, it's awesome. Use wood, you know, start it up with some newspapers, some cardboard, maybe a little bit of kerosene, and uh, safely do that from a distance. But uh, what we would do is uh, you'd start, you might have a paint can so a paint bucket that had kerosene or something of a an accelerant which is what the, what the fire marshal call it but you could have gas you have kerosene in a paint can in a bucket whatever it might be that's safe to hold it right you soak uh, corn cobs in there after you've had corn or you could soak some sticks but corn cobs work great because we ate a lot of corn we raised corn you pack that into the bottom of the fire and then surround that with maybe a little bit of newspaper and then put the actual pieces of wood. And I mean pieces of wild, you know, cut down trees. Not If you're using wood like out of the hardware store or you've been to the lumber yard and you, you got two by fours cut up, that wood doesn't burn the same and it's it's got different stuff in it. It doesn't burn like when you have true firewood. So uh, I'm going to point that out. But when you pack the the accelerant down in the bottom, newspaper around it, and then you've got the 
wood outside and you got those three layers, it, you start it by maybe you start the end of a stick or um, you can take a, a longer piece of newspaper and start the end and then, you know, reach that into the fire uh, because newspaper folds and it does, if you do that and have it 12 or 15 inches long and like the end of it, it gives you some distance, right? So then you can put that into the fire, start it up layer after layer and it gets hot enough that it will actually get the wood going. It's one of the, the many things that people are unsuccessful with when they're starting a fire is your goal is to get that wood to where it's hot enough to burn and then it will turn into the coals and the embers. And So if you only get enough paper and cardboard or whatever else you got in there, leaves, uh, if you only get it hot enough to burn those things and they burn out before the wood ever gets hot enough, then you've got to start all over again. And obviously you got to rebuild it sometimes. So I encourage you to use sometimes a little bit of kindling uh, but newspaper is, is great for that and using some kind of uh, accelerant just having that cob and I'm not talking about throwing gas all over the logs or anything else just, just that one thing and you'll notice that too because when you go to the store you can get the, you get those fire starter logs things of that nature it's the same concept it's, you know that one thing that's going to hold heat and burn long enough to get the wood going and then the wood will maintain itself and I highly encourage you to take a fire poker or have something that you like to use if it's a long stick and manipulate some of the items in the fire every so often so you change where they're burning and eliminate any of the problem areas where it's probably going to go out. You shake that up a little bit. It's kind of like raking the coals back and forth. It keeps that heat open. It's got a lot of airflow to it. It's awesome. Now, one thing I've done at my fire pit <laughs> so often is I'll take the, the blower out there and blow the air into, into the fire, and it just, whoosh, I mean, it just, you know, makes the flames go crazy high because the flames and the oxygen feed off of each other. Um, that's why when you have a wood stove, especially if you have a big, like, industrial wood stove or anything, they have a blower that you can turn on, and the blower interjects air into the fire so that you get the fire to burn hotter and more intense. So that's, as you're going into the fall, I think those are important things. If you're using a real Christmas tree, this can be helpful, right? Because at some point you can cut the tree up and burn the tree and have a bonfire after Christmas and have, uh, you know, New Year's s'mores or whatever it might be. It's just interesting. I think if, if you're out there and you're looking for things to do for the holidays and you're listening to me, if you're local to, you know, the Southeast or North Carolina, you know, there's the biggest attractions and seem to be these. There's a couple of different festivals, but um, down the road from me, Tanglewood does a festival of lights. The Biltmore House has an amazing uh, Christmas setup. If you're going up to Asheville, they have several different up in that and that's a, a very free-thinking part of the state. They have several different events and some just tremendous um, places to stop in terms of being able to stop, have a conversation, and, and go into a brewery or a place that has a beer garden or otherwise. I've not been down to the coast. I don't know if they do anything special to the lighthouses or anything on, on that end of the, the state, to be honest. So that'd, that'd be something to look into. And then obviously in the fall, the... 
PNC Arena is where you can, I, if that's even still called that, it was the RBC Center, the PNC Arena, but if you go down to, to the Raleigh Superdome, then you can watch the Carolina Hurricanes, who will play the Rangers, the Rangers, on March 22nd. This year, for whatever reason, they're only playing three games instead of four. Usually they play two in New York, two in Carolina. This year it's two in New York and one in Carolina. So, disappointing. But they have a, a wonderful team, and they went a long way last year. So if you're a Hurricanes fan, it's a good year to uh, invest a few dollars. I just I can't tell you that I support the system of buying tickets and all the overhead and shenanigans that go on with that. I went to look at Dave Chappelle's coming to Charlotte and to Raleigh. And the the seats were three hundred and seventy dollars before any kind of event and fees and charges and paying for parking or whatever else you do. And I said, "There's no way. I don't care. There's no guy. There's no way." I, if and I'm telling you, if you know somebody calls me up tomorrow and says, "Hey, Michael, we're gonna book you a tour. You're gonna have a speaking tour. You're gonna give lectures or whatever. You know, and we're gonna sell tickets." I was like, "Great." You guys figure it out. Here's how much I want, and I don't want any tickets that are over $125. Just don't. I think that's is ridiculous to do anything more than that. You need to be able to, to take your money and spread it around to different places in the culture. And for you know any one thing to take up that bulk of money is not healthy as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's like being obsessed with something. And if you don't see it that way, you're wrong. But we're going to go see Taylor Swift and we're going to buy a dress. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're, I'm like, you know, that's two semesters worth of college, right? But it's an experience. Yeah, so is getting your nose pierced. Much cheaper. My father, you know, this was years and years ago. He said, you know, you could buy every CD. So I can't remember. Elton John and Billy Joel were coming together, I think. Which is a, you know, that's a, like, epic proportions kind of concert. The Piano Men Tour. That's what it was called. And he said, you know, you could buy every CD them guys ever put out for the price of one ticket. And I said, mm-hmm. And somebody gave him tickets and he went, but, you know, he didn't care if he got to go or not. And neither do I. Uh, there was a time where it was like, ah, Dave Chappelle comes around. I want to give him some dollars because I've listened to a lot of his stuff. But now the they've changed the dynamic, and his the price point is it's a little eccentric for the trade off that we were looking for. So. Um, he can have his money from somebody else. I appreciate all those kinds of things. You know, your people coming to your town, they're talking, they're performing, they're trying to, you know, oh, they're just, they're not making a living, they're making a killing. And that's a completely different thing. I'm going to let uh, us go into our final commercial break, and I will catch you on the other side. John? Bree, any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Bree. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Bree and 
Brie and ham. Ham and Brie, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm gonna eat you guys. You guys are really delicious. That's, that's weird. Hellman's brings leftovers to life. First episode of Michael L. Cripper Presents. I had a few things that they've been written down, they've been discarded, and so we were just flying off the cuff today. But it did remind me, as we were going through the last break, that <laughs> folks are so apt to relabeling the world to fit their own pantry, right? So everything that you have. You're categorizing it in your way. You're placing the values most important to you in the order of priority that they have the most value to you. So, hey, I look at financial security above everything else. I look at whether someone's emotionally available above everything else. I want a provider, a work ethic, a very adventurous relationship. That's all up to the individual this is my my wake up juice I always love Back to the Future 3 Doc gets a little woozy from one shot of whiskey passes out and they have to give him some wake up juice hot chocolate and marshmallow <laughs> that's what's in my my mug so I, I've got something nice and stimulating before I head into work But as people are going through and they rearrange the cabinets, so to speak, of their lives, it's really important to you and to the people around you that you know what it is that you desire and really not just what you need or want, but what is necessary. Because ultimately, people do the whole... You know, pick your cliche. You don't look the gift horse in the mouth or bite off more than they could chew, all those kinds of things. But as you're setting these priorities up, whether it's to choose your next line of work, potential partner or otherwise, it's truly important to know what's necessary. And there's so many folks who they look around and they're thinking to themselves that they would like to have would like to have certain things. Are they possible? It's not a whole lot that's not possible. Reasonable is a good word here. Plausibility, as we remember the foundation of honesty and integrity, plausibility and respect. That plausibility is, is key for when I'm telling a joke or when you're trying to achieve something. It's got to be plausible. Do people do unrealistic things? Yes. You know, there's some rare birds out there 
they become the superstars of whatever they pursue, whether it be sport, entertainment, industry. There's some of those folks. You should also know that there's a tremendous amount of people who fail, right? An overwhelming majority of businesses that open go bankrupt. They don't, they don't go anywhere. Those are learning lessons uh, for those entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of those are the equivalent of a scientist. You have people who have opened a number of businesses before any of them, before any one, maybe the one they're operating today, ever gained sustainability. The other ones, they failed just like a scientist would run an experiment over and over and over again until it worked. And sometimes you need to be able to confirm that, right? So season after season or quarter after quarter, you're reviewing and confirming what is your methodology, whether you're a scientist or whether it's how you run your business, how you run your relationship, perhaps. Keeping that fresh... perspective on how you look at whomever your audience is, whomever your partner is, and being able to say, oh my goodness, you know, here's where we were a while ago. And man, it felt like so, we were so engaged and we were winning, you know, we were getting close together. I'm excited about you because, because why? Because you don't know anything about them because you're brand new, because now you're fresh into this industry and you know, people, they do that. They they start a business, they get to roll in a business, they conquer. You know, it's going to be sustainable, and then they sell it or they, they do something else with it. People do the same thing with relationships. That's not exclusive to money. You you have a toy, you have a, you know, a car that you like, and then you, you decide you want to change, upgrade, differentiate, whatever. And so if you're trying to have... things that will last you for a lifetime, then the behavior of an upgrade, so to speak, is something that has to be compatible with everyone involved being able to move forward together. And that's often what breaks everything up. Somebody decides they want to be in management, the company doesn't have a role, they go get into management somewhere else. They go pursue their goals somewhere else. And that happens in relationships too, right? Somebody gets a better job or they've chased down part of a dream and they look at the other person and, oh, wow, wait a minute now. How about growing this situation? And anyone who's talked to me about relationships, and that's one of the things that I've put right on the table when I've spoken about these things, is you don't want to be in a position where you're going to outgrow your partner, especially like overnight. And even over time, over the course of two, three, five years, they are looking to, what are your three-year goals, your five-year goals today? Well, I'd like to, is it to be more involved where it would require them further education, leadership, an increase in responsibilities, or are these one of the, you know these folks one of the you know people who aspire to create a work life balance 
for them that has more life than work. That, too, is something that people look at and they say, well, you know, I, I had to work to get ahead and, and get money saved for a house and do these things. Now that I'm ahead, now that I have gotten to the point where I could finance each one of those things and I've put a, a great deal of equity into those things, I don't have a bunch of necessary spending. I don't have a bunch of projects to be working and trying to accumulate money and exhaust myself. I'd like to relax. I make enough where I work to be comfortable at, let's say, 40 hours. You you were working overtime. You were achieving things in order to take on more responsibility. But you think, wait a minute now. Where I'm at, I'm more than set for, you know, the rest of my life. I don't plan on, you know, and, and nobody does, but short of something extremely catastrophic or unexpected happening, they are statistically, they are probably going to be able to, to continue to put money away for potential retirement, savings, projects, vacation, whatever, right? And if, if you can still do those things and be comfortable without having to increase um, the tension that you're going to feel at work, that's an important decision to make. Because as you get older, your mind, your body, your spirit, a little more fragile as time goes on. And you may think, well, as time goes on, I'm going to keep climbing the ladder and I'm going to be at the top. You could. But I want you to keep in mind that as you go to do that and climb up to the top at the very end, and as you get towards the later years of your life, like retirement age, that kind of thing, why would you want all that extra stress? Now, are you going to own the place and be on the board and be a little more financially rewarded, and yet you don't have to be involved in these intense day-to-day battles, right? You're the general a little bit away from the war. You're away from the battles. You held a position of high ranking, but you're not in the line of fire. That makes sense? That is a different story. But in those positions, you're still responsible for such epic uh, choices and to be part of such intricate situations that It is not the easiest way to live. People who have ranks that high are target when anything goes wrong for scrutiny, for you're head of the household, you've been providing forever. This girl loves you and she says, why can't we do this now and this now? Well, because... (laughs) When we start to, and it is, it's a lot like, I know people understand this when it comes to like automobiles or possessions. I don't know a more, there's probably a better word. I have depreciation in mind or degradation, but those seem like awful words, don't they? But you're, as you get older and you get a little more frail, you get a little less capable You need to balance life out that way. 
hey, I, I can't make as much as I used to make. I can't make it for as long. I can't run as far and as fast. So we need to adjust. And if you truly just proportionally can't go out as much or you need to spend more money in other areas or putting kids into school or whatever you might have to invest in, then you should automatically have all of these things play their part and they'll things will cancel each other out very visible like things will happen right in front of you my boy my budget okay so this is what's coming up yep that's right that's going to be more expensive as time goes on health insurance life insurance stuff like that's more expensive as time goes on okay okay so you have to change your budget and that happens with everything it does have, you know, you, you need to be more present to be able to be there for family. And so a little less, you know, taking off and being in Costa Rica or whatever. It's important that if you have been gearing half of your adult life, or you're, you know, you're getting in your high, mid and later 30s and stuff, and you're still working two jobs and stuff, I'm like, golly. You're getting so far behind everybody else. And in terms of what you're physiologically going to do to yourself, that it is, it's super important that somebody sits you down, somebody has a short conversation or a very long talk with you over a bottle of wine and says, hey, what do you need to be doing in the next two years so that you're working in one place so that you have activities in your life that balance your stress so that you have some peace and quiet and so that you are transitioning your body for the the evolution of the aging process. If you are not thinking that way, you're not being prepared. It's very important to <laughs> be able to sit down and relax a couple of times a week. Or like just being able to do this podcast makes me almost want to fall asleep when it's over with. I'm, su- I'm surprised if anybody's still awake now. They probably already falling asleep to the sound of my voice. Never forgotten, this girl said to me. That's been years ago. She said, you know, you have an, your voice is like ASMR. And I thought, what, did she just call me something? Did I, did I go to FSU? What did you say to me? And then I looked it up and I thought, oh, well, yes, yeah, maybe I should read erotic books for a living. I, and, and look, I've had enough people tell me, you know, I should sit down and craft some literature that has to do with adult themes and maybe, you know, even just for the writing part of it. <laughs> Not even the to be the person who's reading the audiobook or whatever. But, you know, the com- there's the combination of the two. That'll be my retirement. I'll um write some some filthy stories and then I'll be the um the orator. I'll be the oral guy. And then uh you know, that that would be two different ways to make some uh, money on my 
way into the, as they say, into the private sector as I, as I get out of um, actually having a day on somebody's payroll. But am I serious about that? I, I might be. I could see that. I just, I think that I've I've gotten so many ideas in, in different places that I like to continue to, to keep a fresh list of things that may or may not be healthy to do. I, I'm currently debating an, another championship <laughs> belt with, uh, with John, with my, my buddy from Michigan. And it's one of those things where, like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, yeah, however many belts now. And, you know, it's, but he's, you know, the same thing. It's like, you know, this is kind of your hobby. And wouldn't you enjoy, you know, doing some of the leather work and this and that and the other. And Anthony was very big on this. He's like, Mike, you're, you are smarter than most people here and there. And the otherwise, you have leather to practice on, do some stamping, do some tooling. You know, you'd be a great artisan. And so I'm capable of, of everything. So you'll believe anything. But I, 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 I'm enamored with these things. I knew last night as I was working two men short and just I was hating life that it can't statistically be done. What I was trying to accomplish could not statistically be done. Couldn't under any number of human possibilities would never work out. And so I, I did. I called in a favor. My my number one guy, and he came in, uh, to, or he, he came over to my, to my department, and, and uh, glad to help out. And we we exchanged a few jokes, and he went on his way, and and and, and he worked hard for me. And for whatever reason, I've been able to pay it forward, or get some really nice compliments from people, or even people that I have never spoken to about performance, or what do you really think about, you know, where your happiness lies. Have said, you know, I really love working for you, man. You know, you da, 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 da. and I'm like, really interesting. I mean, I would maybe want to work with me or for me. I maybe talk a little too much and tell jokes, and I'm pretty cheesy, but um, I do try to have a lot of energy. And if I'm, I'm extremely accessible, open door, all that kind of stuff, and that's something that I've evaluated as time has gone on. You start to get older. Do you still want people to be able to, to blow your phone up and, you know, uh, access you and, and do all those things that as it wears on you in some ways because the good and the bad get in there. So there is that. But I have found more and more that I love people. And as I've sat down and ate, eating breakfast with my father, with my uncles on Thursday mornings. and So many different people from the community come over and say hello. We went to church with, or they own a company, the roofers, people who do grading and backhoe and run the Lions Club or a non-profit or whatever. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's fucking awesome. It just is. And when people call me, you know, they'd be like, Craver! That's all I can think about.
And I don't know four better guys in the world to eat breakfast with. So I, I hope that as time goes on, that it, that's something that's just come along in the last few months, you know, and I hope it lasts, it'll last until people can't go to breakfast anymore because of the ages and everything involved. But I've made that a priority because that, you know, brings me peace and balance. And I hope that other folks have that kind of thing as time goes on. They have found these little retreats, whether it's that you sit in a bath and you read a book, whether it's you you love to make a fire, if you have arts and crafts, whatever your thing is. Because in my situation, I have family time and it's a rejuvenating experience of different people exchanging energies and you know, it's unexpected. Nothing's it's all ad libbed and unscripted and I love it. You know, I just do. But um, it's one of those things where you, you could also look at it and say that if you don't have that, what would you be doing? Hmm. And I, I don't know. And the other question that comes to mind is, could you think of anything that's as rewarding or as good? Well, nothing even remotely close comes to mind. Even even if I was in the most, you know, wildfire, flames to the sky kind of relationship there is, and you get up the Thursday morning, you know, there's crazy, you know, breakfast smells or whatever kind of horseplay going on in the house. We gotta wrap this up. Gotta be at breakfast. <laughs> what? That's my people. You know. And that's one of those things where I say, what about what's necessary and what's not necessary in certain things that you didn't know until you did. They become necessary. And I hope that other folks are finding that in their life, that they run across these things that they are extremely passionate about. They run across, oh, you know, I never did this thing before now, and now it's my favorite hobby. Now it's my favorite thing to do. Now I'm just wild about the opportunity. And I got to tell you, like being a person who has those different things throughout the seasons of the year, I'm looking forward to making some fires because it's getting cold. I'm looking forward to being able to wear my leather jackets and my ranger stuff and go into breakfast and, and maybe to pursue some conversations and, and have some some interesting things happen this fall. We're going to see what lies in store for me. But I hope the people who are out there as as they're winding down their winter are not just looking at it to check off days on the calendar and go, oh, it's... 42 days until Thanksgiving, oh God, you know. No, I hope that you are genuinely excited about the prospect of seeing some people for Thanksgiving. Maybe you're going you're gonna to make something special. Maybe you're going to have a, a post or pre-Thanksgiving with somebody you love, with the people in your own house, whatever it might be. Come up with, with a theme. Come up with something that wasn't there before and just have fun with it. Have your own FSU. 
So when you're out in public, you can nudge your partner, nudge your kids, nudge whoever, and say, hey. And you, you tell them something in plain language. Nobody else but the, whoever's sitting there is ever going to understand. And you can laugh about it, and you can have a good time. And sure, you might be kind of roughing somebody else up, but if they did something silly, all you're doing is, is enjoying the show. George Carlin called it uh, freak, the freak show. You know, he's got a front row ticket to the human race, and some people get a notebook, and so they get a front row seat to the freak show, and they can take notes, and then they tell he comes out on stage, and he tells everybody about it. I suppose that's kind of what I do with the podcast, but some of this is just for me to be able to collect my thoughts and share them with myself, and I'll wrap up by saying this. I've been asked several times recently, like, okay, what is the purpose of your podcast and what is the intended audience? Well, I've never stopped calling it or putting in the graphics Escaping Vanity, which somebody told me once upon a time that could do this and this and this to market it. I said, I don't think you understand the name of my podcast, lady. I don't mind. Don't have anything, you know, riding on whether anybody listens or whether they do or they don't. Sometimes I've thought about that, and I thought, you know, how how far ahead could I pay my storage so if anything ever happens to me, that anything, anybody who ever wanted to hear these, and I guess my kids will have access to my hard drive, but they could, you know, they could go listen to it. You know, somebody's thinking about me, they can turn it on wherever they are in the world with, with Spotify and Amazon and Pandora and I don't, there's, there's Google and Stitcher and Podcast Addicts and Verbal and all this. There's like 40 services. I get stuff all the time from people wanting to be a guest and this and that and the other. And the purpose of the podcast is more for me to be able to clear my head out. People ask me, like, what's the best show to... I don't know. I I can look at the numbers and tell you which ones are the most popular. But I genuinely do not remember a tremendous amount of things that go into these shows that are ad-libbed. The life lessons kind of things. I just make those changes or decisions in my life and then proceed with them. And so it's hard for me to tell you that you know any one thing is better than anything else because I... I don't do it to think this is going to be the one that's going to go viral. It's not necessarily intended for anybody to ever listen. But you put it out there. I do that with my website too. Because sometimes people ask and then I have something that is, it's easier to, to just do that than it is to, to try to keep it on a you know device and attach it and forward it and this and that and the other. And the, let me tell you, the, making one of these podcasts is not that complicated. This took me a couple of hours to record. It'll take a few seconds to do the notes and upload it, and that'll be the end of that. And I won't think about it again. I, it won't bother me if there's another two weeks or another two months before I record another one. And I hope that you guys have those same things in your life where you just treat it like an old friend. You have old friends, and that you speak to them the next time that you see them, however long it's been between visits. And it's like you never lost touch. It's it's the same level of intensity it always was. Certain things in my life are like that, whether it's you know watching wrestling or you go back and you hear a, 
you know, a, a wrestling entrance song that I used to use, something of that nature. And it's, I wear my sunglasses up on my head as I'm working overnight in the middle of the night. I wear my sunglasses propped up at 45 degrees. And every now and then, you know, there's stuff that comes on. And I'm like, oh, mm, they got me. And I'll pull my glasses down while my eyes are misty for a little bit. And I'll go on with my night. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And part of the reason that I've remained, uh, I guess, by myself or single, or you, see, you hear these podcasts, you see all that writing and all that stuff, is because I've never met anyone who has the same formula that I do, or at least a compatible formula with me, where they get it. Maybe one day that'll come. But I'm I'm good with me. And that's where it all begins. Don't forget it. Have yourself a great weekend and beyond, and I will catch you on the next episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. Somebody scream! One, two, three, five! Just clap your hands! I was hesitant at first to move